And let me just welcome you to Northridge Church. It is so good to, to be with you, to hang out with you. Thanks for taking a piece of your weekend and, and hanging out with us. Welcome home to each and every one of you. And shout out to our campuses, those of you at Rochester and, and Webster, and those of you engaging with us online. We're grateful to have you. Welcome home. And, you know, hopefully you had a great holiday season and you are looking forward to a new year. We're nine days into January. And, you know, this time of year, culture, pretty much everybody's kind of doing the same thing, right? We're, we're evaluating. We're looking back at an old year and we're looking forward to a new year. And what we're hoping for is some semblance of change. I mean, let's be honest, right? We're all hoping 2022 brings what we hope 2021 was going to bring, right? We hope this year brings about change. And, and we're all kind of looking at our lives, right? We make resolutions personally in our businesses. We're setting goals because as we get to the end of 2022, what do we want to see? We want to see change. We want things in our lives to change, and right, people know this, right? Our culture knows this. That's why when you turn on your television, that's why when you go on the internet, you see all kinds of marketing schemes and ads trying to help you produce the change that you want, right? Join the gym. Here's a great healthy lifestyle. Here's the new fad diet. And all these ads are trying to get you to sign up for something that will help you achieve the change that you want. And I would bet probably many of us have evaluated our life, we've looked back, and we've located the area in our life that we would like to change. Some of you today are saying, you know what, this year I'd love to drink a little bit less than I did last year. Some of you are saying, hey, you know what, I'd like to eat a little bit better, have a little more healthy lifestyle when it comes to food. I'd like to lose a couple pounds in the new year. Some of you are saying, hey, relationally, I just want to be a better spouse, a husband, a wife, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, maybe just a better friend. Some of you are saying, you know what, I just want to get over the, the loneliness and the depression that I've felt over the last two years. Some of you are saying, man, I've got some addictions that I've been carrying my, a lot of my life, and I just want to get past that. Some of you are looking at your spiritual life, and you're saying, I just want to get to a place where I'm, I'm hungry for God again, where I have zeal and passion for his word, where I feel close to God. See, we probably all can locate a, a place in our life as we look to 2022 that we would like to see change. But have you ever wondered why change seems to escape us, right? We all have goals to change, but very few of us actually change, right? Maybe for a season, right? Because it, with, with the running joke about January is, right, we make resolutions and probably at least one of us nine days in have already lost that battle. That change is not happening, right? And why is that? Why is change so hard for us to grasp and hold on to? And I think at the core, it comes back to the fundamentals of change. I think in a new year, we, we often locate the change that we want and we're so fast to go after it, we never ask a simple question. How do I change? Right, honestly, right, how do we change? Where does change come from? How is it achieved? Where does it start? Right? How are you ever going to change if you don't actually know how change comes about in your life? And I don't think we ever stop in the midst of a new year to just ask that simple question, that fundamental question, like how is change actually going to take place in my life? And this is why for us, for most of us, change is seasonal. Right? Here, here, here's what I would bet for, for, for many of us, this is what our experience is going to be in 2022. Not to depress you or anything, but some of you are going to say, hey, you know what, I want to lose weight. 
In about April 2022, you're going to be like, whoa, I'm down like 10, 15, 20, 50 pounds. This feels awesome. And then you're going to get to December and you're like, wow, I don't know how, but that weight's back on me already. <laughs> and guess what? Nothing changed. Some of you are going to say, man, I've been struggling with something for a, long, a part of my life, like an addiction to drinking or pornography or something. I'm going to, I'm going to tackle that this year. And about April, you're going to be like, man, I am winning. I, haven't, I am dry. I'm clean. I'm good. And then maybe for six months, a year, two years, three years, but at some point, you eventually run back to it. And has anything really changed? How do we change? Is change even possible? Right? And here's what I want you to know. It's really not about what needs to be changed in your life, but it's where you start to actually achieve that change. I think one mistake we make in, in pursuing change is we start in so many different places. Right? But I actually believe where you start, where you begin to go after change will probably determine whether you're going to be successful or not, whether you're going to actually achieve that change. And here's what's even crazier about change. Right? No matter what needs to be changed, here's what I believe, the solution to that change is found in the same place. That's crazy to think about. And some of you actually, when you read that and you think about it, you might push back. You might say, oh, that, that doesn't seem right. Because let, let's just kind of have an example here, right? Let's say some of you want to lose weight this year and some of you want to get over that addiction, okay? There's two different things and you're saying, wait, hold on a second, Drew. you're saying to me that I actually, to get over weight loss and an addiction, actually go to the same place. Yes, I believe that. And I believe the Bible teaches that. So if you got your Bibles, 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4 is where we're going to spend a good amount of our time today. 1 Timothy chapter 4, we're going to talk about change a little bit this morning. And let me just kind of give you a backdrop of where I'm headed today. I'm going to build kind of a foundation for this series we're getting ready to jump into over the next seven weeks, and then we're going to dive into it. And when you look at the book of Timothy, let me just give you kind of a, a quick background information, some context for this book. When you read the Bible, oftentimes when you see a name of a book, you just assume that it's written by that person. So we would assume Timothy wrote this, but it's actually written to Timothy by his mentor, the Apostle Paul. And so Timothy is a young shepherd, a young pastor, and he's leading a congregation of people. He's leading a church, and he's, his mentor, Paul, who's an early church leader, a, a big-time church planner, is actually pouring into him through letters. And we get access to this letter through the Bible, 1 Timothy 4, we're going to start in verse 6. Paul says to Timothy, if you point out these Thing. If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, let's pause there. What is he talking about? They point out what things? Okay, so earlier in Timothy, Paul is talking to, to Timothy. He said, hey, when, when you teach people that everything that God has created is good and to hold fast to it and stay away from cultural things, that's what he's saying. He's saying when you point those things out, he says, Timothy, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. Verse seven, let's press in here. He says, have nothing to do with godless myths or old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. And so here, Paul, the mentor of Timothy, the pastor, he's, he's saying to him, hey, when you teach the right things, right, you'll see change in people. Right? He says, hey, let me warn you, stay away from cultural myths and, and wives' tales, but what you should motivate people to do is actually train themselves to be godly. 
It's almost as if Paul is suggesting that true change comes when we're committed to training ourselves to be godly men and godly women. Right? Crazy to think. I wonder how many of us, as we, we looked at January, right, we got to 2022, and we said, hey, I, I need to do this, or I want to change that, or whatever that change was, I wonder how many of us came to the same place where we said, actually, if I truly want to change, the first area I have to train is I have to train my mind and my heart and my body to be godly. Right? How many of us, that was our resolution this year? Where, hey, I don't care what, what, what needs to change in my life. The first place I have to start is I have to become a godly man or a godly woman. Was that our resolution? And here's what's interesting. Paul does a comparison for us. So verse 8, look what he says. He says, for physical training is of some value. But godliness has value for all things. Holding promises for both the present life and the life to come. And so, so Paul says, hey, physical training, some of you are, are at that point right now, right? The New Year's resolution, you were like, I'm going to get back in the gym. I'm going to eat a little bit healthier. I'm going to lift some weights. I'm going to do some exercise, right? Physical training. You're at that point. And, and Paul says, hey, that has some value in your life. But if you compare it to godliness, it pales in comparison. Because what's interesting about physical training is it will impact a lot of your life. But godliness will impact all of your life. In fact, if you become a godly man or a godly woman, it actually might take care of your physical training without actually having to focus on it. He says, godliness impacts every area of, of your life, not even just here on earth, but in the future. And so here's what Paul is saying to us. When we come into a new year, we're thinking about change. He says, hey, you want change? Well, change is pursued by habits that train godliness. If you truly want to achieve change that isn't seasonal or temporary, why don't you try becoming a godly man or woman and see how long that change lasts? In verse 9, I think Paul knew we were, we were going to struggle with this. We wouldn't like this that much. Look what he says next. He says, this is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. It's almost as if Paul knew, Timothy, maybe, and his audience would, would, would push back on this, would struggle with this. And so Paul says, hey, why don't you go ahead and try it? Why don't you go ahead and try to live a godly life? Train yourself to be godly. And I promise you, no, 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 I guarantee you, if you become a godly man or a godly woman, you will change. Because that's where change is found. And so for the next seven weeks, here's what we're going to do. We start in a series called Habits for Change, and you might have you saw the title of this series and thought like, oh, okay, a new year, a new me, right? That's not what this series is about. This series is actually about training ourselves, building habits in our lives to make us godly men and godly women. And so we're going to look at about seven habits that will begin that process so we can achieve the change that we actually desire. And so the first habit we're going to talk about this morning is the habit of prayer. Maybe the most important habit that sets everything else in motion. And if, you know, you grew up in church or you've been a part of a church or you've showed up at a church, you've probably heard this word before, prayer. But here's what's interesting about prayer is it's become way more complex and way more convoluted than it actually is. Right? In Christianity and in the church today, we have made prayer something it's really not. We've complicated it and built all these walls up of prayer that actually keep us from praying, right? What is prayer? If you want to define it at its core, prayer is simple. It's talking with God. 
Right? When we pray, we are having a conversation with God. Now, let's pause here for a second because I think this is really important. I want you to think about that statement for a second. Talking with God. And let's think about who we're talking about. We're talking about the creator of the universe. We're talking about the God who knit you, created you in your mother's womb. We're talking about the God who holds the universe in his hands. God who at any moment could do whatever he wants and no one could stop him. All powerful, all knowing, sovereign, in control. And yet, think about this, that God makes the availability and the ability for you to talk to him. I mean, what a gift. And then let's just think about this culturally, right? I want you to think about maybe some of the most powerful people in our culture, right? We, we think in America, the president of the United States. We would think of like major CEOs, right, who lead huge businesses like Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos and, and, and all kinds of men and women who are, are powerful people. And here's what I want you to do. Okay, you think about your favorite powerful person, someone who's got a lot of authority, and here's what I want you to do today. I want you to email them and say, hey, could I get a moment of your time? Like, could we meet and have a conversation and let me know if they actually even get back to you? Right, who would dare try to contact me? And yet, God has made a way for you and I to go to him boldly and confidently anytime we want. How crazy is that? How awesome is that? What a gift. But here's the problem. We've created all these misconceptions about prayer, right? We've created something it isn't, and what we've done is we've, we've, we've really distorted prayer, and that dis- disorientation really created a, a barrier that we don't really even pray anymore. Think about this, right? Here's some misconceptions about prayer, right? Some of us think, oh, man, I, I, I don't know the right words to say. Because right? if, I, if I don't know the right words to say, like, does God actually care that I'm praying? I mean, this happened to me just a week ago. I was out to lunch with a, um, a person, a new believer, and we were eating lunch, and right before we were getting ready to eat, I, we were going to pray, and I was like, hey, would you like to pray? And he looked at me, and he was like, well, I just don't know how to, I'm not good at this, I don't know what to say, so why don't you pray? And I get it, right? Like, I'm a pastor, I'm supposed to be like a professional prayer, right? It's on my resume, master of prayer. But we've made this, this misconception, right? Like somehow you have to have magical words like thou and theest and mighty old fatherest everest. I don't know. <laughs> but like we, we, we go to pray and we're like, I, I don't know what to say. And you got to have the right words. Or, or you know what? Hey, you got to be in the right place to pray, right? We pray in the church and anything outside of that, I'm not even sure it's prayer. Or better yet, right? Like, hey, when you pray, you have to bow your head, close your eyes and fold your hands. And if you don't do it in the right order, whoo, God ain't hearing that prayer. Right? All I have to do, all I have to do to get you to do that is say, let's pray, and it's magical. Everybody's like, okay, let's do this. <laughs> right? And like, I, I still haven't found that verse that is like, yo, bow your head, pray, close your eyes, and fold your hands when you pray. Like, I haven't seen it yet in the Bible, but man, tradition says you better do it, so you better do it. Right? Some of us think, right, you only pray when you need something, Right? God is that vending machine that you just talk to him when you're in need, right? Or, or before you eat a meal or, you know what, how long you pray, who that determines how good your prayer is, right? Those 30-minute prayers, you know God is loving that. Or, you know what, hey, do I even go to God with meaningless things? He's a busy guy. Like, he's got the world on his shoulders. Like, he doesn't care about that stuff. 
And we have all these misconceptions. And here's, here's what's um, interesting. Over the last couple years of my life, I feel like God has given me a beautiful example of what prayer should look like, and it came in the most unlikely place. See, I have the privilege of living with a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, and a four-year-old. And I feel like Ashley and I have done a really good job in, in parenting when it comes to inviting our kids to, to have a prayer life by modeling what prayer is and, and by inviting them to pray. And they're kind of at the age right now where if we ask them to pray, they're like, oh, me, 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 oh, I want to do it. And it, it's kind of goofy. We laugh at it, right? But isn't that how we should be? Right? You ever been in that community group where you say, hey, who would like to pray? And it's like, hmm. I hope he doesn't pick me. And it's like, you know, 30 seconds of awkward silence and the leader's like, fine, I'll pray, let's do this. Right? But why are we like, yo, I, I, it's a privilege to pray and I would be honored to. Right? Like, that's my kids, right? And, you know, my, what I love about my kids' prayers is they're not phony, they're not fake, what's in their heart and in their head comes out their mouths. And I've found myself building these misconceptions in my kids, right? We're at the table praying, and, and I'm like, oh, hold on a second, you can't say that in prayer? Like, no, you can't say that. And like, hey, say it like this. And I'm like, what am I doing? I'm building barriers for my kids to talk with God. Right. right? We do this naturally, right? And what I love is like my, my youngest, her name is Ruby Kate, she's four years old. And there are some things based off the season of our family that you will get in every prayer. Number one is it don't matter whether we're eating, we're sleeping, we're thanking God for the food. <laughs> right, we're laying in bed and she's like, God, thank for the food. I'm like, where is this food? I need some of it. Is mom hiding food and she's not telling me? Okay, so we're gonna thank God for the food even when it's not there. But there's also some really amazing things that a four-year-old has picked up on. She says this prayer for the last six months. Mommy, daddy, send angels around uh, or God, send uh, angels around mommy's belly because I love my baby brother, right? You, you know what my daughter does at four years old? She prays uh, for the names of kids she goes to kids' ministry with. I don't even know who they are. I'm like, who are you praying for, Ruby Kate? And she's like, yeah, I, they're kids in my classroom, right? She's praying for, 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 for kids. She prays for Rodney's cancer, our Southern parents, right? Like, she's just, whatever comes in her head and her heart, she's just talking to God. She's just, just like, oh, God, I want to be with you, and I want you to know what's going on in my heart, and here's what, I, what I've forgotten. Is, here's what a lot of people forget. We become adults. We become mature. We become, yeah, life is so stressful. We're so wise, and we have forgotten that we are God's children, and what God wants from us is us to pray like little kids, to just be like, God, man, my life is messy right now. God, I'm struggling, and God, I, I'm not going to say it in some amazing prayer language. I'm just going to talk to you like I talk to my friends in any language, Whatever it is, he, God just wants to hear from his kids. And my kids have taught me a lot about prayer. You know, the master of prayer learned from a four-year-old, right? And prayer is, a, is an important habit that we should have in our lives. It will train us to be godly. So there's a couple things I, I want you to know about prayer as we begin to create this habit in our life. The first thing is prayer is powerful. And this is where the church says amen. I, I don't know if you missed your cue, but let's restart that, okay? Okay, ready? Webster, are you ready? Okay, online, you ready? I know, I, Rochester, you better be ready. Prayer is powerful. Yeah. Oh, come on, baby, that's good, right? It is. Have, I, I think we've forgotten that or underplayed that. But I'm telling you, when you talk with the creator of the universe, that's a powerful thing. 
right? And, and look what the Bible says. Don't believe my word for it. Never believe my word for it, by the way. Believe God's words, right? James 5, look what it says. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. So we're living in community. We're hanging out with brothers and sisters, right? Like community groups, you're not in one, get in one. And so we're living in community. We're praying for each other. Why? So that you may be healed, right? So, so it's almost as if prayer, the power of prayer is, prayer is like an initiator of God, God's miracles, Right, We pray for things so that God would act on our behalf when we can't. And so it says, we pray for each other that God would intervene and heal us. Look what it says. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Right? Okay, let's go to Acts 4, right? After they prayed. Don't miss that. We would often just kind of read that as like, okay, after they prayed. No, after they prayed. Again, prayer is initiating the power of God. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Because prayer is powerful. Have you ever been here before? Maybe life was hard for you in a season, right? You were struggling. Circumstances were, were difficult. And in that, in that circumstances, you should have been distraught, but you felt peace. And part of that peace came because you knew God's people were praying for you. It was as if those prayers were the strength that you needed. You didn't even know who was praying for you, probably some family members, some of your community, but you just knew God's people were fighting on your behalf. And those prayers gave you power to be strong in a difficult circumstance, right? That's the power of prayer. And God uses our prayers. So prayer is powerful. Second, prayer builds the relationship, right? I, I forget this so many times, and I, I get it mistaken so many times, is the most important relationship in our life is our relationship with God. Above any other relationship, relationship with your spouse, your kids, your friends, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, the most important relationship should be with God. And here's what happens. When our life goes haywire, it's usually because we've removed God from his rightful place and put somebody else there. And the truth is, is prayer, talking with God, actually helps develop and build that relationship. I'm always amazed with people who are like, I just don't feel close to God. I feel disconnected. Well, are you talking with him? Are you spending time with him? Are you praying, right? That's the whole purpose of talking with God to build the relationship because in, in any other relationship, we don't expect to be close with somebody that we don't spend time with, that we don't talk with, right? But for some reason, we put the responsibility on God to be close with us when we don't really do much of anything. But prayer is designed that you would live in harmony with God, that he, you would build this relationship. Look what Jesus says, John 15. It says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. And so prayer is powerful. Prayer builds the relationship. Third, prayer changes you. Right? Isn't that what we're after? Change, right? New year. I want to see my life change. And I just believe this with my whole heart. Don't expect to change if you're not willing to pray. Right? Don't expect God to do something amazing in your life. Don't expect to achieve change that is lasting without going to the one who creates change. Prayer changes you. When you spend time in the presence of God regularly, I promise you, you will change. And here's what's crazy. The change that happens in you might not be the change you think you need. Because when you are in God's presence, you might think you need to change this, but God is actually gonna change this in you that's gonna change this as well. Because he knows, right? So we go to God and we trust him and he changes us. 
So prayer is powerful. It builds the relationship. Prayer changes you. And then fourth, prayer yields results, right? Prayer brings about the results that we long for. But I'll be honest and I'll be frank. This is the most frustrating thing about prayer because some of you are there right now. You've been praying and praying and praying and you haven't seen God do anything. And you're like, okay, don't give me this garbage, Drew, that prayer yields results when I don't see any, right? And here's what's hard and frustrating about prayer. I'm not gonna lie to you. I have no clue how God fully uses our prayers. I don't. And that's not my responsibility, and it's not yours. My responsibility is to trust God with those results. Here's what I know to be true about the Bible. When you pray faithfully, God will yield results. They just might not be the ones you want. God might actually do something bigger than you're asking for, but you just can't see it. I think one of the greatest things about heaven, I didn't even mention this in our heaven series, right? I think one of the greatest things about heaven when we get up there is we'll get to see how God used our faithful prayers in so many people's lives and we just couldn't see it. But we knew God would be faithful to yield the results he needs and he wants rather than what we want. But I promise you, when you pray, God is gonna produce something in you, through you, and in somebody else because prayer yields results. But let me warn you about prayer, right? Because many of you have been praying and maybe you're not seeing results. This is not always the reason. But a lot of times we pray with sin in our life and sin blocks our prayers, right? God who is holy does not interact with sin, right? It's the gospel message, right? Our sin separated us from God. But thankfully, Jesus died and rose again to bring that bridge back to get us to God. But still, when we pray and we hold sin and we love sin and live in a sinful lifestyle, that hinders our prayers with God. Psalm 66, it says, if I have cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Because it gets in the way. Let's read 1 Peter 3, right? Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner. Hold on a second. <laughs> Whew. We're getting in some crazy waters here. We're like, well, what's going on here, Drew? Did he just say weaker partner? <laughs> it just means physical strength, okay? It's a cultural thing. It's not saying anything about equality. It's just saying usually men are stronger than women physically, okay? We all know mentally it's not the truth, right? Okay. Okay, we can move on now, right? Why am I even reading this verse? It says, husbands, be considerate as you treat your wives, right? As heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. Here's what I'm trying to get at. So that nothing will hinder your prayers. Because the way we live and the sin we get involved with gets in the way of our relationship with God. And so many of us, we, we go to God. This is why Jesus modeled when we do go to God, God, forgive us of our trespasses, our sin, our rebellion against you so that you can hear my request because sin blocks prayer. So we want to train ourselves to be godly men and women and prayer is the beginning of that journey. But here's the problem. For many of us, the habit of prayer looks something like this. Right? I got a habit of prayer. I, every time I eat lunch, breakfast, and dinner, I pray. It's a habit, right? Okay, that's part of the habit. Some of us say, oh, you know, when I need something, I go to God. But is that really what God wants from us? 
I mean, honestly, is that what the habit of prayer looks like in our lives? I think the habit of prayer looks like this. Two things I'll give you. The first one is the habit of prayer is consistent. It's, it's daily, right? As Christ followers, we should daily go before the Lord, right? Regularly. In fact, the Bible actually sets a standard of prayer in our lives. And, you know, many times when I read this, it felt kind of exaggerated. It felt dramatic. I was like, really, God? That's what you want? Look what the Bible says. First Thessalonians 5, it says, pray without ceasing. Okay, so let me just kind of clear that up for you. That says we should never stop praying. You're like, wait, what? That's the standard God has for us for our prayer life. Now, let me give some clarification. That doesn't mean you walk around like some weirdo just praying all day long, dear God, sorry, I can't have a conversation with you. I'm praying right now, right? No, that's not what God is saying. But what God is saying is our lives should live in a posture where our minds, our hearts, our mouths, our bodies are living in this constant conversation with God. But practically, what does that look like in my life? Okay, I want that, Drew, but give me some guidance, okay? I think when it comes to prayer, there should be two types of prayer daily in our lives. Momentary and scheduled. Spontaneous and planned. So let's talk about these two categories. Daily, I believe, we should have what we call momentary prayers or spontaneous prayers. These are the type of prayers that you don't plan for, they just happen. The Spirit of God moves you, right? You're driving down the road, maybe today, maybe tomorrow, whenever, right? And you see a car accident. And you see it and the Spirit of God says, hey, uh, you should pray for that situation. You don't know who it is, you don't know what's going on, but you just say, God, protect that person, give them peace, comfort them and their family in this hard time. It's like maybe in the lobby or in the chat room online today where you go out and you're talking to a friend. You're like, hey, how's it going? Like, yeah, it's just been a struggle. And the spirit of God just moves you to say, hold on a second, you're struggling? Let me pray for you. Let me fight your battle. Hey, it might even look like this. You go to Wegmans or Aldi to get your groceries and hey, wow, you might even actually ask the person checking you out, hey, how's your day going? Oh, you know what? I'm struggling. My family's sick. Your family's sick. Can I pray for you? Not like, hurry up and bag my groceries. I got to get out of here, okay? Right? Like, I mean, we're so busy that it's hard to pray without ceasing because all we think about is our lives. But maybe some of the momentary and spontaneous prayers are us seeing other people's struggles and God leading us to pray for people. But also, okay, that's one category of daily prayer. Another is scheduled or planned. Guys, we in our lives should have scheduled moments in our calendar in the morning or the evening where we sit with God and we talk with him. Right? And I'm not talking about, hey, God, you got 30 seconds because I got to go to work or I got to get kids. No, this is like time where you, you can get alone and you can journal and write down, God, this is what I need and I see you answering. This is where you read your Bible and you talk with God. Where you, you know, some people are like, I don't know what to say, Drew. It's weird. It's awkward. Like, I'm the only one talking in a room. And like, I'm like, God, what am I, you know, like, just read your Bible. Pray the scriptures to God. But we should have momentary and spontaneous prayers regularly as well as planned time where we pray with our spouse, where we get alone with God, and prayer becomes the posture of our lives. It's crazy. If you, you study Jesus, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, you read Jesus' life and his account. What's crazy to think about is this is fully, you know, Jesus, fully God and fully man. When life got crazy, when the crowd got big, Jesus constantly withdrew, not to go on a vacation, not to look at the beautiful sea, but to talk with his dad. 
And if Jesus needs that, how much more do we need that? And so the habit of prayer is consistent. It is regular, it's momentary, and it's scheduled, it's daily. We pray without ceasing. But secondly, I think our prayer life has to have a depth of meaning. And, and here's, here's my concern for this message, because I've felt this. And I would assume maybe some of you will feel this, right? You hear a message on prayer, and you look at your life, and you say, man, I'm I just not where it needs to be. And I get that. I, I, I felt that while prepping this sermon. I'm like, man, my prayer life stinks. Right, like I gotta step, step it up. And, and what happens is we feel convicted by the Holy Spirit and then we leave here and we're like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray, but I think we pray with the wrong motive sometimes. Right, we, we go home and we're, we become religious robots that do the right thing for the wrong reason. Right, why do you pray? Because God tells me to. Well, okay, that's a good place to start, obedience. But at some point in your maturity, in faith, when you pray, it's got to be more than religion. It's got to be a relationship. All right, let me put it to you like this. There, there, there's often a day of the week that I look forward to more than any. Because it's time, usually Thursday nights, is when Ashley and I go on a date. And I long for that, 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 that time. Because in our household, it's, it's crazy. It's chaotic. Like three kids, one more on the way. It's loud. It's obnoxious. Our kids always need something. And I rarely ever get time just with my wife, right? Like, hey, how are you doing? Are you alive? Are, are, is, are we making it, right? Are we good parents? I don't know. But like on Thursday, when I go out to eat with my wife, and I get to look my bride in the eye and be like, babe, I still love you. I'm madly in love with you. And I, I love this journey we get to do. And we just get to be together. No distractions like me and my wife. I think that's what God wants from us. It's not like, hey, God, I'm checking a box because you told me to. No, God, I, I just can't wait to be in your presence. God, I just can't wait to talk with you, tell you about my day, because you're my dad, you're my father, and I long to be with you. I don't gotta do it, I get to do it. That depth of meaning. So if we're gonna build this habit of prayer in our life, it's gotta be consistent, and it's gotta have depth of a relationship there, and that comes with time. So what do we do for, for today? Like, how do we get going? Well, I think it's simple, we start praying. Right? That's what we got to do to create a habit. We got to actually start praying. And so as a church, I, I want to help us get there. Right? And so you'll notice throughout the series, I'm going to challenge our church to raise the bar. Right? I'm going to challenge you and me as individuals to raise the bar, to train ourselves to be godly. And this week it starts with prayer. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to grab your phone. Grab your phone. Everybody grab your phone. Watch, watch it online. Grab one of your devices. And, and listen, you know where I'm going to tell you to go. I want you to go to I. I want.info, okay? I want.info, and you'll see when you go there, it's the banner up top. It says 40 days of prayer. And here's what I'm asking our church, every individual, right? Because we are a bunch of individuals under the name of Jesus that make up a church. I'm asking our church, if you call Northridge Church your home, I'm asking you to do this challenge that you would take 40 days starting today and leading to the end of the series to pray with us. Right? We want to know who you are so we can pray for you. When, when I, uh, Monday morning, I'll get a list of people who signed up. And the whole purpose of that is so I can pray for you as well. So our staff can pray for you. 
And so 40 days of prayer, would you, would you jump into this journey with me? But I, I get it, right? Some of you are like, okay, I'm in, Drew, I'm ready to go. And that's a, a big enough challenge for you. But for some of you as, as mature Christians, you're like, Drew, this is something I do regularly already. And so you're just kind of adding, adding a small little layer. So let's, let's take it up a notch, right? So 40 days of prayer, but let's add in, in the first week, the first seven days, I'd ask many of you to fast during those first seven days. So if you don't know what fasting is, it's just giving up something that you depend on so you can depend more on Christ. And so I'll give you a couple categories. For seven days, why don't we fast some form of food? Now, if you really want to take your faith to another level, give up food fully for seven days. You want to be stretched? You want to get closer to God? Show them how desperate you are. Don't eat for seven days. Just drink liquids. I promise you'll be dependent on God. <laughs> I've done it before. It's difficult. It's hard. But maybe some of you are ready to take that stretch. For some of you, give up coffee in the morning. Listen, your spouse is not allowed to email me how mad you are because they ain't drinking coffee, okay? Maybe it's sugar, sweets. Maybe it's meat. I'll let the Spirit lead for you as an individual. Sacrifice. Maybe for you it's not food. Maybe it's media. Right? For some of you as young people, social media. You know, the average person uses social media four hours a day. Can you imagine if we just took three hours of that four and prayed? We might change, right? Right? So give up social media. For some of us, maybe older, it's not social media, but it's media, right? Like maybe it's watching the news. Maybe it's that Netflix show that you watch at night with your family that you just cut off and say, hey, we're going to take this time and we're going to pray. We're going to give something up and we're going to use that time to focus and talk to God. So 40 days of prayer, a week of fasting. I'd love for you to join us, to become dependent on God, to build a habit of prayer, to seek the change God wants in our lives. But why would we wait till tomorrow? Why wouldn't we pray today? And so you'll notice in our church, I, I really want one of our focuses this year to be on prayer. And so about once a month, we're going to do this as a church. Um, where we give you the opportunity to be prayed for. And so you'll notice at our physical campuses that right now people are going to be getting up and they're going to be coming to the front and the side of the stages. They're going to be wearing badges, little uh, lanyards that say, I'd love to pray for you. And so our bands are going to sing a song. And during that song, man, there's a lot going on in people's lives. And if you need prayer, we'd be honored to pray for you. We are available, ready. Don't, you don't have to be shy. Like we say welcome home all the time. And a family prays for each other. A family fights each other's battles together. And so these people are here today to pray and fight the battles that you have. And so we'd be honored to pray for you. If you're watching online, you just click that live prayer button. You can throw it in the chat. We have hosts who are ready to pray for you as well. And so would you guys stand with me? We're going to sing a song. And as we sing this song, let us pray for you. No matter what's going on in your life, whether it's good or bad, would you come and would you let us pray and fight your battles for you? Let's sing together.